0: One day, three people in different parts of the world went online. They meet in a chat room. They talk with each other. It will change their lives forever. We call
1: it the echo chamber. You find people with like-minded interests, and you, you talk to each other, and it becomes a bit of an echo chamber. That's the whole point of these social networking sites. The threat is people who have very little human interaction in their lives and who may be socially inept and may may even be a little I don't know what the technical term is but what you and I are, would call crazy that they get online into these communities there's an echo chamber they keep telling themselves these stories of the world against them and everyone's out to get them and they take it seriously enough and they're just socially inept enough, and they're just crazy enough, and they're going to um, kill people. And that's, that's a danger.
0: This story would never have happened 20 years ago. It all happened online. All made possible by giant cables of microfibers placed deep under the sea connecting people from all over the world.
2: And in the last few minutes, we've been
3: able to confirm that seven other arrests in Ireland are connected to this case, specifically an attempt to kill this Swedish cartoonist who drew an image of Mohammed's head on a body of a dog.
0: On March 10th, 2010, Katie Couric opened the CBS Evening News with the arrests of an Islamic terror cell. It wasn't just CBS, the story was covered across the globe. This was big news
4: being called
5: Jihad Jane. She lives in Montgomery County and she's being charged with using the internet to help the
3: enemy in the war on terror.
4: Just underscores the evolving nature of the threat that we all face. This
3: really raises concerns that terror groups are looking to recruit Americans, Sharon.
4: And living among
6: us, Thomas, the possibility that terrorists are living among us is a pretty scary thought.
0: Pretty scary indeed. And these terrorists weren't holed up in the case of Tora Bora. Of all places, they were in Waterford, Ireland. And these weren't your average terrorists. It was, as they say in the news business, a sexy story. An Al-Qaeda terrorist cell with two blonde, blue-eyed American women at the center.
1: Is this now the biggest
0: threat in our global war on terrorism? This was the new front in the war on terror, we were told.
1: Some of the responsibility fall with you and me and folks out there to keep our eye on family and friends and what can
3: we do?
0: This is the story about three people who met online. And this is where they eventually lived together in the real world on a quiet street for a very short period in the center of Waterford.
1: You weren't living here two years ago, were you, by Huh? You weren't living here two years ago? Nope. No. No. And yeah. it's oh, Jihad Jain,
7: I don't know. Oh, there. shit, I remember the, uh, the, yeah. the, the cartoonist. Yeah, yeah, I remember that story. I had no idea that anything
0: like that was happening um, locally, you know? They would live in a small one-bedroom apartment. Two blonde American women, who independent of one another, moved across the Atlantic to live with an Algerian man. His name is Ali Sharaf Damash. His online username was the Black Flag. I
1: am. And I'm just making a documentary. It's just concerning people who lived here, About two years ago they were arrested. I think it was in every, the case was known as jihad. Oh, yeah, I remember.
0: We rang people who met Ali Sharaf Damash, but nobody wants to talk to us. No one wants to be associated with him. We arranged to meet a friend of Damash's. He would stand us up. This is the pattern. You can stick that off. Yeah, yeah. What we gleaned about his life, we learned from his never-ending court appearances. There was a couple of people arrested here,
1: It was two years ago? Sorry, no,
0: no English. No English. Look, thank you very much anyway. Ali Sharaf is 45, born in Algeria, moved to France. Hello. He moved to Ireland, studied at UCC, worked in sales, married Mary Cronin in 2002 and became an Irish citizen. His ex-wife would later testify that when she met him, he was not a religious man, but he became religious and the couple divorced in 2008. For one of the biggest stories in the town's history, Nobody in Waterford knew Ali Sharaf Damash.
7: Hello? Hello? Yeah, up here in the mountains, you uh, want to make sure that uh, you got a coat, even in the summertime.
0: Jamie Paulin Ramirez was the youngest of two American women arrested. Lovely dogs. She comes from Boulder, Colorado. A mining town high in the Rocky Mountains.
7: Yeah, those are the two highest mountains in the state of Colorado, right out the window here.
0: This is her mother, Christine Mott.
7: I love her. Uh, Sometimes I'd like to just punch her in her face, you know. But uh, she's my daughter. I don't even know where to begin.
0: Christine Mott's home is a dilapidated cabin on the sides of a mountain. She lives here with three cats, 15 caged birds, and two dogs.
7: January 2009 is when your mom passed?
0: Yeah, January 3rd. She lives with her husband, George, a former convict who has spent 28 years of life in American prisons. We sit there surrounded by caged birds and Christine tells us about Jamie's failed marriages.
7: Jamie, uh, she was just a, a lonely person. She'd been married uh, three times and she really didn't have any you know, any personal friends of her own.
0: By the time she was 30, Jamie, Paul, and Ramirez would be married and separated
7: three times. Jamie, <laughs> her first husband was her stepmother's brother jamie was 18 maybe 19 he was 36 and the first time i met him he brought out his ak what ak-47 yeah ak-47 and was sitting there you know fondling this this stupid rifle
0: the second marriage is a very familiar story there are echoes of what was to come in
7: ireland And she met this guy, and uh, she liked him. He was an illegal Mexican. (laughs) And uh, she took off to California to go be with this guy and ended up moving to Morelia, Mexico, from January till September when she called me and told me that she was married and that she was pregnant. Husband number three...
0: Another Mexican, another very familiar story.
7: So then she was working at a restaurant and m- met her third husband, who didn't speak English at all, that, again, was an illegal Mexican. And I, she was, a, you know, somebody wanted to find somebody to love her. And uh, I think that's how she got into the mess that she's in, is she just, you know, she wanted somebody to like her.
1: I'll be right with you. I'm going to transfer this into the studio.
7: This is
0: Rusty Shackleforth.
1: They're actually setting up a desktop in this uh, room right now, so I can connect to my uh, email account.
0: He is what is known as an online vigilante, monitoring the activities of extremists over the web. Um, I
1: started looking into um, Islamists and kind of radical radical jihadis online. He has received death threats from the Taliban. So I use the name Rusty Shackleford. I'm open that it's not my real name, but I use it to protect my family and myself as well.
0: The third person was an American who was to become infamous for her online
1: moniker, Jihad Jane. Um, One way to kind of find the extremist videos is find people on YouTube who are liking them. He would ultimately inform the FBI of her. And they came across um, Jihad Jane because she was literally every day liking 20, 30, 40 videos.
0: Colleen LaRose is 20 years older than Pauline Ramirez. She was born in an industrial town in Michigan, and as a young girl, she moved with her
1: family to Texas. And so at first, they kind of used her to kind of find the extremist videos, because since she was spending all day on YouTube looking for extremist videos, and all of us have jobs, she didn't, (laughs) it was just easier to go to her, her YouTube profile and just see what she was liking. And then we could find what she was liking, and then flag those videos, and so that's how I first came across her. As a child, she was raped regularly by her father. She would run away from home, and by her teens, she was a prostitute. You know, every day they'd you know find hundreds of extremist videos uploaded, and her name kept coming up over and over. Which was at the time her nickname was Jihad Jane, which was just very funny. Um, And so, you know, usually they use kind of a a traditional Muslim name, but she didn't. She used this kind of weird name. And so she kind of stood out among the crowd. Her
0: first husband was a man called Sheldon Buddy Barndham. After her arrests, he was asked, What do I remember of her?
1: Nothing. There was nothing to remember she was on youtube a lot she was commenting a lot she was arguing with people a lot six hours a day easily in in my mind she was a you know a fantasist she was you know just kind of living out her um her aggressions online um in, in reality i mean she was doing that but you know there is a there's a phenomenon where some people will live out their fantasy, will have a fantasy life like she did. In her fantasy life, she was a Mujahideen, and she was a fighter for Allah.
0: Colleen LaRose has a string of convictions. In 1985, she was fined for criminal trespass. In 1987, she was prosecuted for drunk driving. The same year, she cashed bad checks at a pizza joint. In 2002, she was convicted of public drunkenness, walking too close to the highway, and disorderly conduct for fighting.
1: The thing she was saying was serious, but because she was easily traceable, most people who say things aren't publicly easily um, traceable. I think law enforcement has the tools that they could trace people. But for someone like me, some people are easily traceable and some aren't. And so, but some people, let's put it this way, some people are more adept when they come up with nicknames online at covering their tracks than others are. She was not very adept at this. She was very uh, sloppy. So email addresses where her actual name would have been appearing up with nicknames beside it, was it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so it was really that really, you know, five minutes of work to figure out who she was, to be honest. In 2005, Colleen LaRose, depressed by her father's
0: death, overdosed in an apparent suicide attempt.
1: Online, she was Jihad Jane or Fatima LaRose. And And once i started seeing these extremist things and we looked into who she really was that's when i really took her even less serious because um she was in rural pennsylvania not you know she didn't seem to be in part of a of a of of an extremist mosque or anything she didn't seem to be part of a a group like that she seemed like a very typical person you would see down in down at walmart or something the first time the American
0: authorities had a trace of Colleen LaRose was in 2008.
3: Federal indictment Colleen LaRose. On June 20th, 2008, defendant Colleen R. LaRose, aka Jihad Jane, posted a comment on YouTube stating that she is desperate to do something somehow to help the suffering Muslim people.
1: You know over time actually her comments got more extreme and that's when that's when it first became
3: a concern and we started looking into who she was. A resident of a South Asian country sent an electronic communication to Colleen LaRoe stating that he can deal in bombs and explosives effectively
1: so for instance, she she wrote, I urge you, my ummah, whenever and wherever possible, kill any Zionist bastards and their puppets. Inshallah, make dua, that means to pray. Inshallah, make dua for me to become shaheed and, you know, to become a martyr. This is just the beginning. The Jews are already crying.
3: On July 1st, 2009, LaRose posted, or caused to be posted, an online solicitation for funds to support terrorism. That's the, the, the post, what she's crossed a line here. She's not
1: just saying, you know, God bless Osama bin Laden. She's saying that, that she's raising money for the Mujahideen. And then we called the FBI. And the FBI saw what she was posting and went and, and confronted her. Said, look, we're, we're looking at you. You can't just say this stuff online and think you can just, there's no consequences.
0: Agents visited Colleen LaRose in her small apartment, a converted brick townhouse in Pennsburg, Pennsylvania.
3: LaRose falsely told agents of the Federal Bureau of Investigation that she had never solicited funds for terrorism.
1: We thought that she'd her YouTube account had been taken down so often that she just gave up because she kind of disappeared. She lived there with her boyfriend, Kurt
0: Gorman, a town of one street and an American flag in each porch. The authorities thought she was done. Some people didn't know she had even started.
6: I'm Kurt Gorman. We're in uh, Quaker Town at my uh, shop here. We build equipment uh, for uh, AM, medium wave broadcast uh, radio stations.
0: Colin LaRose's arrest as Jihad Jane thrust him into the media spotlight. He became the guy who woke up one morning to find out his girlfriend had left him to become a jihadist.
6: I end up doing quite a bit of traveling because uh, the equipment we build is for all around the country. So. Uh, when I was working at a radio station in Texas, there, uh, outside of Dallas, I met her. Her father was a uh, radio engineer for the station that I was putting equipment in. After a bit, she moved up to Pennsburg with me. And uh, after my mother had passed away from cancer, uh, um, my father wouldn't. Uh, he was, you know, by himself, and he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't, uh, you know, wouldn't take his medicine. So he came to live with us, and um, she really took care of him, making sure he ate. He put some weight on. He was taking his medicine. She was on the computer a lot, playing games and things like that. And I'm so busy uh, traveling and working a lot of hours that didn't really pay attention to exactly what she was doing.
0: There's one final person to introduce into this story. He lives over 4,000 miles away from Jamie Pauline Ramirez and Colleen LaRose in Sweden. His name is Lars Vilks. He lives in an old white house not far from the ocean. Colleen LaRose had planned to come here and murder him. In the living room, the floor is filled with paintings of Muhammad as a dog. Currently, he is drawing the dog in all the different styles through the history of art. This is what he does.
8: Yeah, I may say it's a kind of expressionistic style. You draw quite fast, but you make many drawings until you hit the nail and... and, and, uh, When it became known, many people complained that uh, it wasn't uh, done uh, thoroughly enough. I was uh, interested in in the the situation you had in Denmark, about uh, the Danish uh, cartoons, as you could actually uh, criticize um, the USA and, and Israel. You never saw any criticism of, of uh, Islam or Muslim world. I didn't really expect any reaction. In
0: September 2007, Abu Omar al baghdadi the leader of the Al-Qaeda cell of the Islamic State of Iraq, released a fatwa. He proclaimed that Lars Vilks
8: should be killed. He had $150,000 bounty on his head. I was actually guiding uh, in in a in big art exhibition in Kassel. I was standing in the uh, antique department and uh, I then got a phone call. They said, ''I guess we have bad news for you, Mr Wilkes.'' I didn't really know what how to handle such a situation and, and what sort of risk it actually meant. ''Is this the end of my life? Will I now have to lock my doors and and, um, disappear?'' I I thought that I I was forgotten, actually, because after this fatwa, things calmed down. And um, when you come to the year 2010, I, I thought that everything was over. Completely forgotten.
0: In March 2009, a man known as Eagle Eye, based in Pakistan, described as an Al-Qaeda operative, talked Colleen LaRose into becoming a martyr. Go to Sweden, find location of Lars Vilks, and kill him. In other words, a man on the web in Pakistan told a woman in Pennsylvania to kill a man in Sweden. Colleen, who was looking after Kurt Gorman's dying father, agreed to this. She just needed to get to Europe.
7: on a uh, good Friday of 2009.
0: A month later, it was Easter, and in Boulder, Colorado, Jamie Pauline Ramirez had some big news for her mother.
7: Jamie, uh, she made her announcement that she was converting to Islam. That went over with me like a lead balloon. Um, Jamie made this announcement, and I just couldn't accept it because she kept... Throwing this in my face. She started wearing the uh, Jaha or whatever it is, the headdress that they wear. It got progressively worse. She started wearing the the full-length outfits. And then she spent every second from the time she got home, uh, other than eating, on the computer talking to these these, uh, terrorists is what they turned out to be.
0: Or told you they were. They claimed to be. They said in a chat room they were. The easily led Ramirez
3: meets a fellow convert to Islam from Pennsylvania online. LaRose stated, Soon I will be moving to Europe to be with my brothers and sisters. When I get to Europe, I will send for you to come be with me there. This place will be like a training camp as well as a home. Ramirez responded by stating, I would love to go over there. And she asked to bring along her minor male son. LaRose stated, When our brothers defend our faith and their homes, they are terrorists. Fine, then I am a terrorist and proud to be this. Ramirez responded, That's right. If that's how they call it, then so be it. I am what I am.
9: I read Arabic. She doesn't. Everything Jamie looked at online, she had to use... Uh, Program to decipher it and put it in English. I'm reading it. I'm looking at the pictures, I'm reading it, and I'm telling her, those are terrorists. There's our terrorists, those are my friends. Jamie, those are terrorists. Like me, you
0: may be asking, what is Jamie Paulin Ramirez doing? Just think about her running off to Mexico, the other husband who couldn't even speak English. She had met a man online, that's why. Ali Sharaf Damash.
3: Pauline Ramirez sent an electronic communication to LaRose, stating that she had been speaking to Ali Sharaf Dimash and that, if you are on your way to destination, Allah bless you in travels. She didn't want to listen. She thought
9: that I didn't know what I was talking about.
0: This is where the lines between reality and fantasy become very strained.
3: On the same day... Ali Sharaf Dimash sent an electronic communication to find brothers and sisters to go to a camp for training and then come back to Europe to do the job. The job is to knock down some individuals that are harming Islam. Dimash explained that he is structuring an organization divided into a planning team, research team, recruitment team, finance team. Uh, She's easily influenced,
9: easily impressed,
0: On August the 23rd, Colleen LaRose
3: disappeared. Colleen LaRose removed and concealed the hard drive from her home computer. Leaving Kurt Gorman. When I came home, she
6: was gone um, a little bit over a week after my father had passed away.
3: She knowingly took the United States passport of Kurt Gorman without his permission in order to provide it to the brothers. And traveled to Europe with the intent to live and train with jihadists, and to find and kill Lars Vilks. If somebody
6: leaves, I, I, you know, surely be concerned there. I Don't want to see anything happen to anybody. So, I would be very concerned there to make sure that you know that she's okay. Now, I try to, I tried to, um, I'm gonna, yeah, I don't know. I'll just, I just, I can't figure it out, you know. Colleen
0: disappeared in August, Jamie soon after in September.
7: She lied and said that she was going to spend the weekend with a friend down in Denver. And uh, I knew she was lying. She put Christian in the back seat, in his car seat, and I still to this day see him crying and uh, looking back through the window. And she drove off.
3: On September 12th, Jamie Pauline Ramirez traveled to Europe with her minor male child with the intent to live and train with jihadists.
0: Colleen LaRose and Jamie Pauline Ramirez arrived within days of each other. No one was ever clear what happened in Waterford between the three.
3: They only lived together for a matter of weeks. The day she arrived in Europe, Jamie Pauline Ramirez married Ali Sharaf Damage, whom she had never before met in person.
7: Jamie, she finally called. Um, at first she wouldn't tell me where she's where she was at. I said, where are you? And she finally, she says, Ireland. And I mean, I could have hit the floor. That was the last thing I expected to hear.
3: On September 30th, 2009, Colleen LaRose sent an electronic communication stating that she considered it in honor and great pleasure to die or kill, and pledging that only death will stop me here, that I am so close to the target.
0: Two weeks later, suddenly, Colleen LaRose decided to go home to America.
3: What Colleen LaRose did next is inexplicable. Only death will stop me here, that I am so close to the target. Colleen
0: LaRose logged onto the FBI website and tipped them off about her return home. She was arrested on her return to Philadelphia. This was October 15th. The authorities would keep her arrest secret, and she would be questioned for five months. That's five months. She would talk, and by the end of it, following her tip-off, Katie Korich would open the CBS News with developments in Waterford and the arrests of seven people.
3: Where she goes by the name Jihad Jane, it was on the web, according to the indictment, that LaRose and five unindicted co-conspirators tried to recruit others for jihad in South Asia and Europe.
2: It was just just like uh, waking up uh, one morning and your whole world had changed.
9: The south and southeast of the country may seem unlikely places for people with suspected links to al-Qaeda to be based. But a murder of anyone in the world can be planned anywhere, and Gardaí are now gathering the evidence with a view to securing a prosecution here against at least some of those in
2: custody.
3: At this point in time, what we have are seven people, seven individuals arrested. They're known to each other, but as such, we're 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 investigating a a conspiracy to kill, uh, to murder a person in another jurisdiction, and that's the extent of our investigation.
0: Brian Chesser is a solicitor in Waterford.
2: There were about seven detainees, mostly um, Arab-type individuals.
0: After the arrests that morning... He would become the solicitor for six of the defendants, including Jamie Paul and Ramirez, and initially Ali Sharaf Damash.
2: There was um, perhaps maybe four of them were reasonably quickly released within maybe three, three, four days. Jamie, at the time, was a lady who um, was wearing the full hijab, and um, you could only see her her spectacles and her eyes. And. Uh, I don't think she, she expected any of what happened to have happened.
0: When being questioned, Jamie, and Ramirez and Ali Sharaf Damash distanced themselves from Colleen LaRose.
2: He disowned uh, Colleen LaRose as, as a, a person of, you know, vulner, a vulnerable person who had got herself into something that um, she probably didn't realise Despite a massive police
0: operation, the involvement of American authorities, the FBI being in town, the arrest of seven people, there would be only one charge made. One charge.
2: That was the surprising thing about it, that it wasn't the the great big uh, charge that was going to be... Uh, that, that was all being talked about, namely the, the, the plot to kill uh, the Lars Wilks. But, in fact, he ended up with um, a charge of sending a message... Uh, by telephone. It
0: related to a phone call made to someone in the United States, an attorney in Dearborn, Michigan, Majid Mughni, who, following the arrest of a man dubbed the Underwear Bomber, organized a rally to show Muslim opposition to acts of terrorism.
5: It was a very strange phone call. The call showed unknown. So I picked it up,
9: well, um, well,
5: and then he says, I, uh, I want to congratulate you for your place in hellfire. And this is where he, he brought he brought shivers down my back.
9: Yeah, masha Allah, yeah, there is a place for in hellfire, the deepest hellfire.
5: He says to me, "If you are in front of me, I would put a bullet in your head." If you are
9: in front of me, I will shoot.
2: You. I will put a bullet in your head.
5: Because you are a hypocrite.
2: And this is. Uh, and this
5: is. Uh, this is the consequences of a hypocrite the consequences of a I had no idea where this guy was. I mean, he could have been outside my house and, and, and it really uh, terrified me. I, I said, I can't believe this. I can't believe I just heard this man threaten my life. <laughs> then he, he finally speaks in Arabic. He takes a quote out of the Quran and, and the quote basically states, O you who are believers do not take the Christians or the Jews as friends. And he says, whoever is friends with them, be against them. Yeah, but don't, don't kill one, you kill one person wrongly, you kill one person wrongly, it's as if you have killed all mankind. And I, I took it right back in his face, and I took a quote out of the Quran. And I says, well, maybe you forgot that quote. Maybe you forgot the quote that says, if you kill one person wrongly, if you kill one innocent per- person wrongly, it's as if you have killed all mankind. That's yeah,
9: stupid. That's yeah,
5: stupid. Man. And he didn't like that quote. And that's when he told me I was ignorant and I was stupid. And I didn't know what I was talking about. Because I hit him right where it counts. I, I took the quote out of the Quran and I used it. And he didn't like that.
9: You don't have to, You don't have to Leave in America.
5: Leave you in America. I mean, Believe me, Amazon when Amazon. we get you, we, you will pay it. It's expensive. Well, I look forward to it. Okay. Thank you. Okay, yeah. don't worry. And then he says, Barak alaykh ya kalib. Thank you for the call. It means a lot. Greetings to you, oh dog. So he finally ends by calling me a dog. Ali Sharaf Damash would
0: be sentenced to four years in prison for that phone call you just heard. He would serve three years of the sentence.
2: Jamie Pauline Ramirez was ultimately released without charge. She, she rang me and uh, told me that she had gone to Dublin because the FBI felt uh, that, uh, that there was too much media upon her and um, they wanted to take her out of the equation. Uh, we remained in contact per telephone uh, on a daily basis, nearly... She would ring me and um, she had a a room with with herself and her son and she was being looked after, but the FBI were um, trying to persuade her to go back to the States um, without having to go for extradition. They were suggesting that she should go back to America that um, she would be made very comfortable there, that they would get her uh, a house and they would organise the education of her son and that everything would be rosy, certainly, and we made it clear to her that she should not go voluntarily. It would be quite um, high risk to go back to America. They wanted her back um, uh, quite earnestly they just they just said that um, they would they would look after her that uh, she would be given a house and um, she would be given another identity and that their son her son would be would be educated and in response to that I said are there any uh, is there any contemplation of a charge against her or more charges and um, by the answer I knew that the contrary was the. Uh, the the case. In fact, his answer was no. There are no charges at present, and um, so it didn't take much to read between the lines and uh, to see that there was obviously uh, something contemplated. Pauline Ramirez. She believed what the FBI were telling her. She was uh, a person who uh, was, how should I put it? I mean, um, e- easily easily influenced. And uh, if you combine the two, I think you, you, you have the recipe for a vulnerable person, you know. It was over a period of two weeks um, before she had just suddenly disappeared one day. And then I read uh, in the papers that she had been arrested in, in Philadelphia. that She was uh, charged and um, brought you know, before the courts and then ended up in, in, a, in a penitentiary somewhere, a pending pending trial. I don't know what evidence, if any, they have against her or had, but um, I think I think she should have been told the true story here on this side of the of the Atlantic, rather than uh, duping her into a false sense of uh, security um, in providing a house and providing education for her child. That that, that is there there are words you could use for that.
9: Back in Boulder, Colorado. She went to the door in Philadelphia. That's where they arrested her at. They didn't grab her at the airport. They grabbed her at the house. What house? Colleen LaRosa. She went to her house.
7: She was in jail in October.
9: I know, but Jamie didn't know that. Jamie had no idea. When she was supposed to go land in New York and come out here, she changed the ticket to Philadelphia and went there, to that broad's house.
7: I was told that they brought her back. No.
0: What is interesting is that despite being Jamie Paul and Ramirez's closest relatives, they aren't sure of the facts
6: of her case.
9: She changed in New York, went to Philadelphia, went to the person's house, that's where they arrested her. I forget which reporter had the whole thing.
0: Jamie Paul and Ramirez faces up to 15 years in
9: jail.
7: She was arrested at the airport because that's what social services... Uh,
9: No, that's where
7: the social services, they detained her, then they let her go. They removed Christian from from her custody at the airport.
9: Before this is all said and done, me personally, what I think, I think she'll commit suicide. If they give her 15 years, I don't give her but another five or six in there before she kills herself because... Jamie's no fighter. Jamie ain't got that kinda of heart. She tried to talk like her mom, you know, run her mouth. And running your mouth in a penitentiary gets you killed. And in the federal system, very quick. She's considered a trophy, quite as it's kept. And she don't know that. You're a trophy. You're a terrorist. If I kill you, my reputation gets better. And if you're a lifer and you kill a terrorist, oh shoot, you just you might get a medal from somebody in there. And you Nuts. You fucked up a life that was perfect. A couple semesters, she'd have been a nurse practitioner. You got a kid. You got a job. Fuck. And you throw all of that away to follow a motherfucker you never met, marry him, go to go do a $100,000 hit for Al-Qaeda. Ain't nothing you can say. But
7: yet she still, I ain't did nothing. I ain't did. Come on now. It money easily, you know, persuaded. Uh, they told her all the things she wanted to hear. And she was sucked in by people, and she was just too dumb to, you know, sometimes she's dumb as rock, you know, but I feel more sorry for Christian. Um, He's a little boy that doesn't even remember what his mom looks like anymore.
0: The three people, La Rose, Dimash, and Ramirez, who lived in that one bed apartment in Waterford, are now all in jail, looking at cumulatively 100 years in prison. We're still not sure what happened in that apartment in September 2009. They were together for barely four weeks, but they will spend a large majority of their life behind bars for what happened. Then I got a message on my phone. Daniel Osros was one of the seven people arrested with Ali Sharaf Damash. I was, like,
10: shamed to walk out. I was shamed. Yes, I was shamed because people are thinking wrong of me now, that I'm dangerous. I'm, I, I knew it. That I said, people are now looking at me, this man, dangerous, is coming, let's run for our life. And now... With this false information, we, we make people scared. We make people to not trust never this man. Every time now, my neighbours, when they see me, they see bomb. They see I'm going to explode and <laughs> something like that, you know. We meet in his apartment. The first thing that strikes you is that
0: he's young, 26. He's 20 years younger than Damash.
10: He wasn't scary. He just was, like, serious, religious, you know.
0: He has arranged three miniature bottles of coke on a table, two regular and one diet, just in case. And he has laid out some quality street sweets as well.
10: It's just, it just so hard to explain, you know. It's very hard until somebody experience. Even when you experience that, you cannot explain, you're not able to explain. You just feel they destroy you. He's nervous. His
0: leg twitches and bangs against the table. I'm shaking. you know?
10: I really, even until now, I'm using now, you see now, I'm visiting my psychology and I take some medicine for sleep. But even the dreams, you know, these things still is following me, you know, it's scaring me. Daniel is originally from Croatia. He moved to Ireland following
0: the war where he converted to Islam. They were trying to destroy me inside, to eat my heart alive. Osros says his life has changed completely since the arrests.
10: This affect my health which are probably with my heart, depression, and I cannot sleep since that time. And this is something that never can fix it, police.
0: Osros says Damash helped to teach him how to pray. This is the first time we talk to someone who knows Damash and who was inside the walls of that one-bedroom apartment. What emerges, though, is a rather pathetic and lonely figure. A lonely figure like Ramirez, like LaRose.
10: Always alone, like, he doesn't like to communicate with somebody who is not Muslim, you know. This is too much, you know, I mean... I mean, it's like you kill yourself, you know. You need to have somebody, you know, talk to them, you know. He was obsessive, always on the internet, but it's not what you're thinking. He was really looking for women, you know. he didn't care about nothing, so he was like, I want women, I want to find it where I can find it, and like that, you know. Even he was using my computer as well. He didn't open nothing religious, he opened a woman. And I'm looking at me and Ahmad from Yemen, and that um, that man said, Oh, this haram, haram is mean, this is not good for you, <laughs> what are you doing? You know? And he said, what can I do, I'm in Europe. I have to get one he said. <laughs> so it was like that, you know.
0: And uh, <laughs> The dating website at the center of this story is Muslimmarriage.com. It's your regular run-of-the-mill dating website. Over four million users worldwide. Ali Sharaf Damash was looking for a wife.
10: He's he's fifty years, but he's like child. Sometimes child happy, sometimes child sad. <laughs> but he was like child, like I don't know how to say the. I mean, you have to, you you have to have your own woman, your own partner. You know? But I mean, he was more like, what is the woman? What is the woman? I'm looking for woman. You know? Was he constantly
4: looking for women? <laughs> was he? Yeah.
10: Yeah. Even I told him this is not allowed. He said, "What can I do? I'm in Europe. I, I have to have my own woman." And he showed me lots of pictures of women.
0: Ali Sharaf Tamash had discussed the possibility of multiple wives. But he would need to bring justice, as the term goes.
10: he say that he would like to have multiple wives? Or... He said he doesn't mind. You know? he, he said if he can uh, give them justice, if he can make justice, he, he said does not a problem, you know, that's what he said.
0: We talk with Daniel Osros for over
10: four hours. He describes meeting the women. Then one day he surprised me. We talk on the phone and then he said to me, oh, I'm married. The woman from America, she come, but he wasn't like happy. Told it. he didn't tell me happy, like oh I'm very I'm married, you know my wife is here now. He wasn't like that, and I said okay good for you because you find your partner, you know <laughs> who's going to share life with you. But another one, she come as well yes, but uh, she come after her maybe one month or something, and even I didn't know when she come to him. It just was surprise for me. When I was walking on the stairs, I saw two women now follow him. I said, he married another woman? <laughs> What's going on? I said, because I know in, in Islam you are allowed to marry four women, but you have to make justice with them. This man now, he look at him, is married with second woman. <laughs> I was thinking like that. What was described as the new face of terrorism has shades
0: of the oldest story in the book. Love, rivalry, and a tiny one-bedroom apartment.
10: And then I was thinking, about because I see they are together, everything together, everywhere they go together, they stay together in an apartment. I believe there was trouble between this woman, with the child. She maybe told him, bring her out, I don't want to see her here, or something, you know, like that. So, I believe it's that. And then he didn't know what to do. He was trying to put my apartment, I didn't want. He was trying to put in that Libyan man, his wife didn't want. So. He asked to send her back. It was somewhere along the way
0: that I saw a letter, a private letter. It was written from Ali Sharaf Damash to Jamie and Ramirez in jail in America. It was well after all the arrests. Damash wrote, I always see you around that flat in Waterford and the People's Park. It continues, Miss Colleen is out of her mind. She is lying because I married you instead of her.
2: That was part of the thing that, uh, that perhaps Colleen LaRose was... Uh, ..felt jilted in some way. Um, that was the, the impression I got, that, um, that there was some, there was some uh, jealousy between the two women... ..or by Colleen LaRose... But also he, he said she wasn't a very well person at all. She, she had psychiatric problems. On January the 2nd,
0: 2009, long before they meet, Ali Sharaf Damash is alleged to have sent an email
3: to Colin LaRose advising
0: her of his desire to become a martyr in the name of Allah.
3: And stating, I tried twice but wasn't successful. But I will try until Allah will make it easy for me.
4: Stating
5: that he wanted to become a martyr in the name of Allah... <laughs>
10: he wants to be like soldier or something I yeah? like. Uh, I
5: tried twice, but wasn't successful, but I will try until Allah will make it easy for me.
10: You see, that's what I'm saying. This is, this is problem. He needs psychiatric, you know? this man, he needs psychology, you know, he needs medicine.
0: How had he tried twice to become a martyr? Where? When?
10: He had only become radicalized in Ireland? So how? So I don't know what he's mean. He's trying? Where he's trying? Did he try here or where? Twice. <laughs> you see? That's my thing. That's what I'm saying, you know. This man is sick, really he's sick.
3: Colleen LaRose replied that she also desires to become a martyr in the name of Allah.
0: Was he, like Colleen LaRose, some sort of detached fantasist? This is the story of three very damaged and lonely people meeting over the internet.
10: People like this, you cannot say Islamist or Muslims, you know. You have to say mentalist or crazy or terrorist, you can call them. But never you can blame Islam with this, you know, because they don't know what they are doing.
0: Eric Holder, who is Obama's attorney general, talked about the case of Jamie Paul and Ramirez, mentioning her arrest in relation to the domestic threats America faces. His is another name to be added to the list of people associated with this bewildering case. The ex-boyfriend who was jilted for jihad.
6: I mean, I can't change what's happened there, so if I think about that, there's, you know, it's not going to help me feel any better, so I figure... I might as well concentrate on just trying to do what I can to get my work in and go on, so.
0: The attention-seeking Swedish cartoonist
8: living under armed guard. Was, was this jihad Jane a person to accomplish it? What would she, how, how would she do the killing? Would she have a gun or would she have a knife? I mean, immediately I heard about it. I said, this is something, I this is a musical. This is musical. So, you know, jihad Jane, the killer, the blonde killer. Colleen LaRose pleaded
0: guilty and is awaiting sentencing and faces up to 30 years in an American prison. Ali Sharaf is facing extradition to America, where he could spend 45 years in prison.
7: I mean, just because I don't agree with what she's done doesn't mean I stop loving her.
0: Then there is the mother high in the Rockies trying to make sense of the actions of her daughter, standing at the side of the road.
7: And... You know, I wish, wish I had my best friend back, you know. You're gonna make me cry.
0: And the little boy who's growing up without a mother, who one day will have to comprehend the decisions she made and what the authorities then did to
7: her. Here he comes. How was your day? Good.